Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Welcome to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This today's show is powered by Zbuni. The Zbuni app gives businesses free tools to start and run and grow online, accept payments, build an e-store and create mobile invoices in minutes. While the interview is brought to you by Zbuni, the guests and the stories told are their own. The guest, special guest today is Doran Davies, the CEO of Bounce UAE, a very popular and colorful destination that many people will have experienced. Since moving to Dubai in 2012, Doran has held the position of Director of Products, Operations uh, and Global Sales at HTC across Europe and MENA. Uh, before leaving the telecom se telco sector in 2013 to set up Bounce, Working with Bounce Australia, UAE teams, the first Bounce venue will open in UAE in al in 2014. And we'll hear a lot more about how that came about. Uh, so good morning, Doran. Good morning. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks. How are you? For those on the listening on the podcast, they won't see your very colorful background <laughs> uh, in, in, in Bounce. Is that where you are now? Yeah, yeah, we're uh, we 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 have our office located in the Al Koz venue, which is uh, you know the industrial area of Dubai, but we like to make it colourful. Hence the backdrop and all the colourful trampolines and padding that we have in have in the venue. But uh, yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. And I see a couple of awards back there behind you as well. So strategically placed <laughs> for for all for all these Zoom calls that we're having these days. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Why not? That's right. Why not? So so so, what is Bounce for those who aren't familiar with it? Yeah, great, great question. Um, so I, I I kind of uh, put Bounce in the bucket of sports and entertainment. Um, you know, think about a, a big warehouse, a big building uh, that's full of trampolines, circus grade padding, uh, ninja warrior courses, and a lot of energy and a lot of inspiring people to fill it. Uh, interesting. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, it's an adventure and trampoline park, but you, you have 32 mm. venues across 16 countries. Uh, mm. is, so how did it come about? Was it something that you saw in another market or was it developed here? Yeah, yeah. No, great question. Um, look, the story goes back to, you know, 2013. Um you know, this was a, you know, a business that I, I never intended to start up, never even thought about, uh, you know, the kind of trampoline concept, the sports entertainment industry. My, my background is in the, in the technology uh, uh, sector. You know, I was in the mobile phone business for 13 years, uh, whether it's based in Europe or, or it was actually the, um, you know, the catalyst that brought me over into, in, in, into the Middle East back in 2012. And, um, yeah, it's probably one of those cases of, you know, right time, right place. You know, you've got to have a little bit of luck sometimes in in, in life. Um, and, um, you know, that happened in 2013. Um, you know, I was uh, I was friends with a Australian guy called Ross, who is now my now my, now my business partner and, you know, over a barbecue at my house um, in some very hot summer's day um he took his phone out of his pocket and showed me this video of a place called bounce that was based in australia and um 
And then, you know, the, the, the video was pretty inspiring. You know, lots of people flying around doing some amazing tricks and most importantly, a lot of smiles on, on people's faces. And, um, and then he put it on me. He said, um, I'm going to do it. Do you want to do it with me? And it was as, as simple as that, really. Wow. Uh, so you left. So, yeah, you were in the telco space and you jumped into this. Yeah. Did, did you want to be an entrepreneur? Did you had you inkling junior corporate career, should I say? Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a funny one. Uh, I, I, I think you 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 always start off in the world of work with you know ambition, energy, um, appetite to achieve. Um, you know, it's just how you how you do that. Um, you know, whether you do that in an existing corporate structure, an existing business, or or you go your, your own path. Um, and and for me, um, you know, I, I got into the telecoms industry. Um, and it was another probably a chance encounter, really. It was uh, me bumping into uh, a friend of mine that I went to school with in a bar in Swansea, which is my hometown. And he he created this amazing story and told me this amazing story about a startup mobile phone manufacturer that was based out of, out of a few temporary buildings in a car park wow. in, a, in, a, in a very, um, how can I describe? Um, a very interesting part of Birmingham is <laughs> probably the political way to uh, describe it. And, um, you know, that's what kind of started my career in, in, in mobile phones. You know, the conversation went from there. I went up uh, to Birmingham to have a look around and um, I was bitten by the bug of being in a startup environment. You know, I just, I love the energy in a startup. I love the types of people it attracts. You know, you've got that um, mentality of rolling your sleeves up and getting involved. You know, you know, it's not a situation where you have you have a job description and you just go bullet point by bullet point. You know, it's um you're in at the deep end, uh, single swim. And I, I really thrived in that in in that environment. And that's what gave me the confidence really to uh, you know, to take the plunge and um, you know go go my own way and 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 start up a start up a bit uh, start up, start up a business over here. Mm. Interesting, but even with that sort of starting point of that that thirst, say as you described for mm. entrepreneurship or or being enterprising, you still uh, you know um, for want of a better phrase, towed the line and and improved your career and and you know. Uh, a global operator sales for HTC mm. across Europe is quite a big role. Uh, yes. Did you, so you, did you kind of put a lot of your energy into kind of career development and, um, you know, growing at, growing and progressing within within a large organization as well? Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in the, you know, in the ethos around, um, you know, grabbing as much as possible, you know, um, you know, I think um, you know experience and learning in a in in the right environment is gold dust, really. And while while I had no previous experience in the sports entertainment industry, I think what being in a corporate environment for many years, whether in a startup or more or a more established brand, um, it really teaches you to um, think through problems. Mm, um, and it, and it and it and it also teaches you that um, you know you. You, you're not Superman, right? You don't have all the answers, um, and um, you know that was very clear when um, you know Ross and I started up Banks. You know, you you, you turn into you know architects, salespeople, 
um, people and culture professionals and everything um, in between and underneath. Um, and I took a lot of advice and help from other people in the industry, um, you know, friends, uh, uh, colleagues that I'd worked with in, in, the, in the past. And I think having that, um, you know, that background in bigger businesses gives you the confidence to be able to do that, um, you know, to, to understand your own kind of blind spots and uh, weak areas and not necessarily see that as a negative because um, you can find a way. You can always find 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 a way and that that kind of has stayed with me um ever since really and it has been quite formative on my on my career interesting yeah sorry to uh, labor on on the contrast between your previous career and this because it's quite stark but just to draw an analogy of you know the you were also involved in products like from the outside the the telco industry is it seems rather complex it seems vast it seems uh, quite di- difficult entry points and I, w- yeah. I was randomly googling the cost of 5g licenses in the region recently <laughs> and even if you can buy in like you need 200 million dollars you know so that, that yeah, type of stuff yeah uh, yeah at least yeah but um in some countries but but like for example do you think that obviously in a startup you have to do everything in a, in a way but even still is the telco industry more complex than the sports entertainment industry you know not to, i'm not saying is the is sports entertainment industry easy but is it less complex or what's your experience been yeah when it, I, I guess when you take the helicopter view of course the assessment would be um you know sports entertainment is a very simplistic sector and in industry compared to um uh compared to the mobile phone space um you know, you know, when you're talking, uh, uh, you know, about my days in whether it's HTC or Samsung, you, you are dealing with cutting edge, cutting edge technology, technologies, um, bit of a mouthful. So you can make it as complex or as simple as you can. Um, and, and certainly over the years in the mobile phone industry, things have changed quite, quite rapidly. Um, you know, you've gone from a scenario perhaps 15, 20 years ago where you would talk about a mobile phone in the context of very complex functions or very whiz-bang features. You know, you'd quote processor speeds, you know, how many cores an application processor has. Um, um, that has vastly changed now, and it's, uh, you know, it's almost pivoted across to dumbing down the technology and focusing on simplicity of use um and i think there's something beautifully elegant within that and Mm. you know apple were very much the catalyst and precursor for that you know very much focusing on taking what is a very complex piece of equipment and simplifying it down so it's a delight as opposed to a frustration to use um so but when you get under the hood of a mobile phone yeah there's no doubt um you know it takes some serious brain power to design one of the one of these things mm. um where i focused my efforts was more around um those use cases and what problems are we trying to solve with this technology and that that's not an easy thing to do it might sound simple but it's not an easy thing it's not an easy thing to do you have that dynamic where you know the engineering teams are always trying to push the envelope uh, use the latest and greatest technology and uh, think that that's what consumers want mm. <laughs> uh, when ultimately uh, consumers have a 
probably a pretty simple set of problems that need to be solved. You know, battery life is one example of that. Um, you know, you rarely hear mobile phone companies talking in the context of milliamp hours in battery capacities. They talk in the context of all-day use because that is important to a consumer. They, they want to know that, um, you know, when they get up in the morning and they leave the house, um, the battery is going to be alive and the phone is going to be usable for the rest of the day. Um, a consumer will find it very, very difficult to reconcile that with 800 milliamp hours. Mm. What does that mean? Mm. Um, so, yeah, the, I think the industry has gone through quite an quite a evolution, or I wouldn't say evolution, revolution, really, um, uh, in terms of simplifying these things down, focusing on problems that need to, need to be solved. And, and the sector has changed dramatically over time as well. <laughs> you know, mm. since I've been involved, you had that scenario where, you know, the power was with the mobile phone manufacturers for mm. a period of time. So people bought the mobile phone brand. Then it switched to the network operators starting to um, uh, gain a lot of foothold and talk about their propositions, um, you know, their applications, their services. Uh, so the balance of power shifted to the, the network operators. Then the balance of power shifted to um, the guys like Google and Apple who uh, really speak um, uh, very passionately around you know the operating system yeah. simplicity of use and the application ecosystem around it so it's very it's very interesting when you kind of chart that yeah uh, chart that journey yeah definitely uh it's fascinating industry and yeah perhaps we mm. can talk in more detail about it and, and uh, as well in the future mm. but uh, segueing into you just you were shown uh bounds on a mobile phone at a barbecue yeah. by your business yeah. partner and and from that moment to when the first person uh, bounced around on uh, at the venue what were what was some what was the kind of hurdles that you went through or what was the kind of planning phase and how did you get it set up yeah yeah i mean yeah, there, there, there were many um uh, uh, frankly and um you know i look at look back at that period of time and um it's certainly given me gray hairs you know <laughs> i'm not a lot older now, but a lot more experience, a lot more confident as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it really was that A to Z approach, um, you know, and, you know, starting a business over here is, is you know, there, there is not that scenario where you would go to a website that gives you a, a step one, two, three on how to set up an entity. It just, it just doesn't exist um, here. Um, you have to figure it out as you go along. Um, there are various companies that provide that service to you, but I felt strongly that um, you know we should learn how to do that because mm. our ambition was not just open up one venue in in Alcoz and sit back and relax. It was to grow a big business across across the region. Mm. So understanding how corporate structures are put together, how you apply for a trade license, how you gain approvals on a on a construction project was very important for us because we learn it once and we do it again in in, in the future. But um, yeah, very much from A to Z. And, you know, the starting point was, um, you know, doing almost the due diligence, right? You, you, you know, you have to have a business plan. You have to understand the economics of the business to see whether it works. Um, and, um, you know, the great thing about Banks was that it was an existing business in Australia. You know, the home of Banks is Melbourne. Uh, Melbourne, Australia, and that started up in 2012 by a bunch of guys who are, you know, entrepreneurs, serial entrepreneurs in 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 Australia. So, you know, they had teased out, you know, the business model. They had made the mistakes. Um, they had codified the the business and what what success would look like. So, 
you know, taking that franchise approach is a much easier way to set up your own business and start your own business because you're effectively licensing in that uh, knowledge and experience, mm. um, um, you know, notwithstanding, you know, the local intricacies of setting up a business and operating a business in, in the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Qatar. Uh, um, 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 but, um, yeah, the kind of due diligence phase was was number one um you know it's that kind of number crunching if you like uh, does it does it make sense are we going to be able to pay people salaries with this business uh, uh, concept um and then there was the you know we did do market research as well you know it wasn't that kind of formalistic approach where we would go to an agency and you know brief them on what we wanted to achieve it was um it was me going to uh you know the ranches mall and grabbing teenagers and mums and asking what they thought about the concept and trying to tease out what um what price points we could uh, we could achieve with this um uh, so we went through that kind of market research in a in a bit of a scrappy way i'd say but um it was important to give us confidence and reassurance that mm. while the model works in a place like australia it can work in in in, in the uae mm. um and then things flowed from there so things like finding a property um you know, sounds easy, but that's that's half the game mm. in my business. You know, finding the right property. Um, I need um, I need a venue that's got lots of height. I need a venue that doesn't have many columns in in the middle, uh, and I need good locations that people are prepared to visit on a regular basis. Um, um, and then from there, it's it's the formalities around company setup, um, which is which is a process in in itself. Then you go through the architectural design. Um, you go through the whole process with finding contractors, um, you know, negotiating terms, negotiating prices. And there were some pretty, pretty, pretty eye-opening moments. And I, I remember one where I was sitting in Dragon Mart, me and Ross, and we were looking at some of these quotes coming back from contractors that were we just couldn't afford. And we were thinking, well, what the hell do we do now? And it was that time where we was just well. Okay, let's just take a time. Let's just relax a little bit. <laughs> let's just let's just chew the fat on some other subjects. Um, we will make this happen. Let's not get too stressed about it because we have the skill set and we have the ambition to drive 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 it through. Um, but there is nothing like putting your own life savings into a project to focus mm. the mind. <laughs> you know, when you think about your family in the future and and what you want to provide for your family in the future. Yeah. Um, you you make it happen you make it happen fascinating N nice anecdote there in terms of not stressing out and you know going back to what you mentioned earlier about problem solving in your previous career that mm. you know that's that's what you face at, at every step of the way and and doing it yeah. um just sticking on the kind of business rationale as well you know i think what people can relate to and maybe maybe other people can relate in the sports entertainment business but in terms of franchise for restaurants you can see mm. how someone would take a brand uh, that's well known and that they can uh, scale it across a country or a region and just stick mm. to that one brand and stick to that franchise model um, because yep. it's been proven out. Uh, is that what you had in mind uh, uh, for, for a bounce that, that you thought, mm. uh, you know, we can make this work. They've made it work uh, and we can make this work. Yeah, uh, uh, very much, very much so. I mean, um, 
like I was saying before, I, I would recommend if, if if people are looking to start up their own business, you know, the franchise approach is a much easier pathway to do that. Um, with the franchise approach, you, you you do need to recognize, understand, and also be okay with the fact that there is always that royalty stream that goes back to the brand owner. Um, and, um, you know, that's an important thing that you need to get over in, in, in your mind. You know, you've got that balance between learning from experience, um, existing systems, processes that you're inheriting. There's a cost to that. Um, I, 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 I went into this um, with, with very much the target to roll this out quickly. You know, I understood the value of uh, first mover advantage in, in, in the markets. Uh, but I also understood that, um, you know, a trampoline is a 300-year-old piece of equipment. It's not something that you can slap a patent on. So speed and pace of rollout was very, very important. Um, but this is all a learning exercise for me. You know, you know, you hear the adage, every day is a school day, and it's very, very true. Mm. So, you know, using that knowledge and experience to then grow into other segments was the way I looked at it as well. So, you know, even now we're, we're cooking up new concepts. Um, we've got always have lots of ideas. We're never short of ideas in this, in, in, in this business. And having the foundations of a, of a bounce or a zero latency, which is another line of business that I have as well, really mm. helps you get prepared to build for next phases and, 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 and next steps. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. I was uh, interesting that you brought that up. I was kind of mm. uh, hoping you'd explain it like that because I think, um, you know, then, then the sports entertainment knowledge uh, becomes something that you can, scaler that you can leverage you know horizontally and you can kind of go and equally the market approach but specifically on bounce did you Mm -hmm. um did you move into a new market and what was the decision on that or did you pick a new location in the uae yeah no great question um so you know dubai alcos was the was the very first venue and then you know strategically um you know we wanted to roll out quickly and we wanted to establish bounce venues in i describe them as the key beachhead locations in 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 the region um now uae is um you know it's a great place to roll out because you're never more than a couple of hours drive away from from the major major cities so you know and um you know, building up a team in the UAE to service those locations makes a lot of sense in terms of that first phase of first phase of rollout. You know, you learn a lot about the market, you learn a lot about the, the, the consumer, you're building up your brand, your brand presence in the market. So there's a lot of synergies to be achieved there. So while Alcoz was the um, the first venue, then we quickly shifted our focus to Abu Dhabi. You know, mm. actually I was, I was I was looking at property in Abu Dhabi before we found the Alcoz property. It was ah. just a you know, a race to the finish line, really. It could have been Abu Dhabi first as opposed to um, Alcos. Um, but Abu Dhabi was the, was the next location and was the first location that we built inside a shopping mall. Uh, and that's when we really kind of understood our ability to generate you know, significant footfall, whether that's in a standalone location in an industrial area in, in Dubai or whether it's within a shopping mall, um, a shopping mall environment. Um, so Abu Dhabi was the, was the kind of next on the list and that's what we opened next. Um, we actually opened a marina mall in Abu Dhabi in, a, in an area of the mall that was built to house an indoor ski slope. Um, wow. You know, that, that location was... Um, was designed and built to be a ski slope. So you can imagine it's difficult to, um, you know, 
retrofit or change that space to something else. You know, it's a ski slope. It had an 88-meter-long um, uh, slope in there. So what wow. do you do with that space? Um, you know, all of our venues are kind of custom designed. So we took on the challenge and did that. Then after that, it was Alain. Um, you know, we had a great opportunity in Alain. And, you, you know, we, we certainly see and understand the dynamics in that market uh, to make it really a viable option for us. And then it was about, okay, what do we do next? Um, you know, there is only so many big box sports entertainment concepts that you can, or, or uh, big box sports entertainment uh, banks concepts that you can build in the UAE then we have to go international. And so those two markets that were a priority for us as next step were um, Qatar and also um, Saudi Arabia. Um, you know, Qatar, we wanted to get into quickly because we knew that there were no um, comparable offerings mm. over there. So we would have that first mover advantage. And um, Saudi Arabia, because just weight of population, um, and um, availability of sports entertainment in in KSA is very much in its infancy infancy mm. there, and and that, uh, and that's what we did. So, you know, we opened in, uh, in in Doha at the back end of 2017, and then Jeddah as well, 2017, and then in Riyadh at the back end of 2018, and in Riyadh, while we didn't have first mover advantage in that market, uh, we decided to do something a little bit different, which was to open up a ladies only bounce menu ah. in, in Riyadh. So we effectively create that first to market mm. opportunity because of wow. that. Wow, fascinating, speedy rollout. Mm. We'll take a quick break yeah. and we'll come back uh, and listen to Doran and bring us up to present day. And we'll stop for a quick break to remind you that this episode is powered by Zbuni. As mentioned at the start of this episode, Dubai Works is powered by Zbuni. Be More Keto is a popular meal plan that focuses purely on a ketogenic diet. Using Spoony, Be More Keto discusses with each customer in order to plan their ideal meal plan rollout. When the plan is created and agreed, Be More Keto leverages Spoony in order to secure payment. Spoony also plays a key role in managing the customer database overall and securing monthly renewals. And we're back. So Doran, you brought us up to the end of 2018. You've, over five years, you've brought a new brand to the region. You've scaled it out to three locations in the UAE, two in Saudi Arabia, one in Qatar. Um, how was business at that time? Yeah, oh, fantastic. Uh, you know, fantastic. I mean, uh, you know, the, um, you know the, the, the concept that we have is so elegantly simple that um, it's, it's just mass market. You know, no prior skills required to jump up and down. You know, it's, <laughs> It takes you back to those days when you're a kid and you jump up and down on your on your bed. Um, it really is like, like like that. So, you know, the fact that it's a very simple to understand concept and very simple to use um, uh, means that it's been yeah massively successful. I couldn't be happier with, yeah. the, with the results that we've uh, we've achieved. Is it like uh, I, you know we talked off air at the start? It's kind of open to all ages. Is it like an mm -hmm. an entry fee? Do you have different packages or how accessible? How much do I know need to know about the prices or the duration, or can I just show up at one of your locations and take yeah. it from there? Yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, we, we've got we've got a few options. You know, broadly you can walk in. Um, you know, so you're passing on the street and you want to have a have a jump around with us. Um, yeah, you can walk in. Um, we also have um, uh, a website where you can 
book online. It's banks.ae. And uh, back in 2014, I think we were one of the very, very first in the entertainment sector to offer online bookings. Mm. Um, and then we also have um, a, a contact center. So we've got uh, some pretty special guys and girls manning the phones uh, just in the office behind me um, who are happy to take bookings and give information and advice over, over a phone call as well. So mm. yeah, a, a few a, a few options available to customers. Interesting. And just talking again about the structure of the business and, and the margins in terms of, did you, you know, do you have to get investment to fit out these big buildings? You've got uh, soft costs, you've got um, technical costs and things like that. Um, is for people to understand, is it something that pays off over time or can you make it profitable uh you know once the business is coming in yeah yeah well kids um i wouldn't be in this business if it wasn't a profitable uh profitable business of course um you know there needs to be a return um especially when you put in all your life savings into the business you you need to know that you are going to make that money back and you're going to multiply it up um effectively um, we've been very fortunate in the sense that the business has performed very, very well because we have a fantastic team in the, in the business, which has meant that, um, you know, the growth that we've experienced over time has been funded by the cash generated, uh, by the business. So I'm, I'm quite proud of the fact that we are, a, we are effectively a debt-free, uh, company in that sense. And when I look back at, uh, wow, 2020, I'm quite thankful of that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. As, as, as well um you know i think our business is is i'd say it's very it's there are some unique elements to it there's a relatively high bar uh to to entry you know there are some significant outlays to build a bounce venue whether that's deposits with landlords whether that's the equipment that you buy whether it's the contractors that you use to to, to build the place so it's not something that you can just turn around and you know one day and think right i'm going to build I'm going to build a bounce the next day. You, you really need to carefully consider it because it's not a cheap thing to do and it's not a cheap thing to do very, very well. Mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah, over time, you know, the business has grown because we've done, um, you know, and I can't put it down to me, obviously it's, uh, you know, it's the team that we hire to do the job as well has done a, you know, a fantastic effort, um, uh, you know, to turn this business into, you know, one venue into 10 operating venues across the region. Amazing, amazing success story, and good to hear from starting out in Dubai. So, bring, mm. coming up to the the dreaded topic of conversation, the global pandemic, and yeah. you know, it must have been as it was for everyone, quite disruptive. Um, kind yeah. of almost exactly a year ago now. How how did you deal with that sudden uh, shock, and then how did you bounce back? Um, <laughs> no, yeah. no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you know, it, it kind of, I, I guess. Um, you know, we're all in this, right? So my, my story will not be not be unique. And, um, you know, I certainly empathize with everyone out there that's uh, going through these stresses and strains at the moment. It's, it, it really is not easy. Um, when, I, when I cast my mind back um, in 2020, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it's a combination of a story that I both want to forget and also remember at the same time. There's some really important life lessons here. Um, we we saw things starting to change in February last year. You know, we're we're at the front end of the market. You know, we see customers coming into the venue. Uh, 
you know, and those customers in the venue are the barometer of consumer confidence, right? So, so in February, we started to see some pretty dramatic slowdowns. Um, Interesting. You know, we, we, we're kind of seeing things happening over in China, but what does that mean to me? Um, but um, it was quite clear in February when um, announcements were made around things like school trips, around pre-poning the uh, school holidays and kids going back to distance learning after after the holidays, we saw massive drops in our footfall and our, and our revenue. And so we were, uh, we were on the front foot. Um, we saw that happening. We didn't just sit back and go into panic mode. Um, you know, we got together and, you know, talked about that, that situation of the what if, you know, what is the worst case scenario here? And that is venue closures. So, you know, we, we certainly got our heads together and put down a plan that we would use in the scenario of enforced, enforced closures. Um, I'm glad we did that at that time because the closures came thick and fast, you know, within the period of, of three days, um, all of my venues across the region were closed. Wow. So uh, having that preparedness uh, and almost that piece of paper that gives you that step one, two, three on what you do in that scenario just gives you confidence. You know, you're not kind of making it up as, as, as you're going along. You've done it in a very well thought through and considered considered um, approach. So being prepared was, was um, uh, you know, the first element. And then you kind of swing into gear on what's, really important is is what you do with the team you know we call our team the tribe uh, over here at um at bounce and um you know it's you, you've got that balancing act between you know long-term business survivability and you know short midterm people need to eat right so yeah. so it's it, it's kind of you know that that balancing act so we came up with a set of principles that we would operate by um through that closure period. And, uh, you know, I'm still operating by those principles now. Interesting. Um, and, but then, you know, gradually they reopened. Are all your venues reopened now? And have you kind of uh, probably not returned to the level as before? There's probably still sort of things around group trips and, and things like that. Um, yeah. But are, are, you, are you kind of optimistic that it's gradually returning to... Uh, to pre-COVID uh, capacity and things yeah. like that? Yeah, I looked at, there's definitely light at the end of the tunnel here. I, I am expecting 2021 to still be a, you know, a very rocky road. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm still expecting there to be a level of uncertainty in the market and I'm expecting it to take time before, you know, consumer confidence is, is, is fully restored. Um, you know, I think what we offer in terms of, you know, sports entertainment and specifically our purpose in this sector, which is, you know, about inspiring progression and, and human connection stands the test of time. Yeah. Um, we are open in all of our venues across the region except Doha. Um, you know, Doha has been really tough for us. Um, you know, we closed down in March 2020. Uh, we opened again on the 11th of January this year. So a very long uh, uh, closure period, but then closed down again on the 4th of February. So if you mm. think about it in those terms, over 12 months, we've only been open for three and a half weeks. Mm, wow. So that's a, you know, that's a significant, significant impact. Um, um, you know, KSA in January experienced another closure as well. That was for a period of around four, four, four weeks. Um, 
you know, thankfully UAE venues um, uh, are remaining open, and I'm I'm really glad that that's uh, that, that that's the case. Um, but you know, the performance-wise, you know, of course, we read articles around population contraction and um, you know what's what what's happening in various sectors there. But, you know, one thing that I'm I, uh, that I'm really proud of, um, you know. We, we talk about pre-COVID and post-COVID, but actually we're still in COVID, right? Um, it is, is our um, customer experience. We measure our net promoter score and actually our net promoter score, which is a gauge of um, customer satisfaction, is higher now than it was pre-COVID. And, and that's what I'm delighted with because that is ultimately the long game. Mm, interesting. Well, obviously people are safe when they go to your venues, but equally... Yes. Equally, it's much better than their home apartments than doing adventure and things like that. So it shows that the appetite will return. Um, yeah, and you know, you explained the kind of challenges still uh, with COVID and in the region, but I guess it's it's great that you know you are open here in the UAE and comparing it with maybe your home country, it's probably yes. you probably wouldn't yeah. be open yet in, in Wales. No. Um, no. Yeah, and and talking on, on that point, so uh, Doran, are you still? Uh, you know, are you still kind of um, focused on the region? Are you optimistic about this region as an emerging market? Are you are you excited about the opportunities in the entertainment, uh, you know, leisure sector as well? Yeah, I'll look hundred percent. You know, I think uh, you know the the region just you know oozes opportunity. Really, um, you know, the kind of precursors are there. You know, if you think about well, you know, one obvious one, it's a it's a very hot country for, for a, a large part of the year. So being able to offer um, customers opportunities to get active and keep active in an indoor environment will, will never change. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, so so you, when you look at some of those kind of macro uh, kind of uh, indicators, yeah, opportunity is there. Um, I, I look specifically at the sports entertainment sector and um, – I, I, I still think I still believe that there are opportunities to grow into new concepts as well. You know, I think what we're doing is leading the market in in in, in, in a lot of extents, and um, I still believe that that kind of um, uh, child segment, teenage segment, um, uh, is underserved. Um, you know, it's a, it's a large segment of the population. Look at KSA; it's an example. Um, it, it really is underserved. Uh, I think times have changed from, you know, people uh, thinking they're getting a good entertainment experience by going to a more traditional family entertainment centre in a mall. Uh, you get a lot of that um, in the home environment, mm. um, you know, those electronic games and so on. And I think people want to be part of something more deeper and meaningful. Uh, it's mm. not about being glued to a screen. It's about going out there and working up a sweat and getting in yourself out your comfort zone so yeah there's there, there are still massive growth opportunities in the region for sure interesting uh we'll leave it there very positive note to finish on and when you brought that point home about taking us away from the screen i think i'm going to find an excuse <laughs> to go down to bounce <laughs> and i'm sure the staff yeah, will be welcome right. that <laughs> really nice speaking to you doran right, uh, thanks for sharing your story and <laughs> we'll, we'll keep in touch Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Thank you. This show was powered by Zmooney. Once again, a big thank you to them to help us provide this content to you for free. Also, thank you to our producer, Yana Kalashikova, editor, Alibaba, 
please do check out more Dubai Works episodes and other shows over on Smashy.tv. You can follow us on social media and download our app, which is available on iOS, Android, and all good smart TVs. See you next week. Bye.